stick your cock up around, you motherfucking worthless cocksucker. Did you fuck my mom? Did you fuck my mom? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Welcome to another episode of the Unholy Mofos. I am Jake the Snake, but call me Snake. Joined by Brother Scott. I think you could have done better on that one. What? It's fucking perfect. <laughs> what, what? What do you mean? I could. What the fuck do you mean? Oh, Jake. Jake, Jake, Jake. It's perfect because his name is Snake and I am Jake the Snake. That may be true. Your impression of him. Yeah, what fucking ever, man. If this hasn't given you any hint, today's subject is we're going back to John Carpenter, and we're going to a character of his known as Snake Bliskin, played, of course, by Kurt Russell. That's right, we're talking about Escape from New York and L.A. 
I ended up watching these not too long ago, and I just I figured, you know, why don't we do them on the show? Right. So, I mean, you know, uh, I know. October is going to be coming up, so, you know, why not uh, get the the Halloween feels started a little bit early? I mean, hey, yeah, we've done so much other Carpenter flicks, so yeah, I wonder what ones we have left. <laughs> not many. Yeah. Escape from Precinct 13 or Assault on Precinct yeah. 13. Big Trouble, Little China. Yeah, probably um, a few other. And of course, we're mostly missing the majority of his 90s stuff, even though one we're doing today we've done In the Mouth of Madness. One very, very fine film. <laughs> okay, so that's what you have to look forward to. But first, uh, we've celebrated a return. A return we really did not think we were going to get at all this year but it's here and you know it just feels good to have it back even though one of our teams is one and know and the other not so much but you know what they are facing off today yep and instead of being able to watch it jace got me podcast <laughs> uh, <laughs> son of a bitch this, this is me i'm talking about you know i watch this shit in the background yeah i know <laughs> yeah, so you'll either hear some bragging or some bitching by one of us. <laughs> yeah, so I yeah I don't know how this game's going to go. Honestly, I mean Bears looked uh, pretty rough last week, but then suddenly in the fourth quarter it just all came together. Quite honestly, surprised. I was thinking for sure it's like, well, this is it. Mitch is going to be out, and we're going to get that kid from Clemson, but. Yeah, suddenly he just turned a corner and had a good old fourth quarter comeback. I think 17 points or something like that. And it's like, wow, that's surprising. I mean, normally when we're down, Mitch is like very, very undependable. I mean, even when we're down by double digits, like, oh, forget it. But I don't know. Might actually be turning a corner. May be becoming worse that number two pick he was. Of course, it's just one game, but, you know, it's something to look forward to, I would say. Near Giants, well, they had some good uh, highlights last week, including, like, what, a uh, good old 19-play drive, which ended in an interception. Yeah, that was, uh, you could say that's a rookie error, but, I mean, that, that was just, that was bad call on his part. Yeah, not only an interception, an interception by a frickin' D-lineman, too. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, rest of the rest of the games were actually kind of good. I mean, I gotta say, I think the Chiefs are definitely uh, got the potential to repeat this year. I mean, I don't see anybody else. Like, okay, maybe the Ravens, I mean, they still look pretty good. But, of course, then again, they were playing the Browns, who still look like the Browns. And, of course, I think Lamar Jackson really has to get over that uh, playoff hump. I mean, 0-2 in the playoff so far. I mean, yeah, I guess he is young, but I guess we will see. You know, it's just, I don't know. My, my team started out hot, and then, like, towards the end of the game, they just looked deflated. Yeah. So, you know, for me, it's just it's one of those things, like, here we go again. You look so forward to it, and then you start out with a loss, and it's just like, yep, that's my team. Yeah, man, you know what? I think I have a good idea who's going to be number one pick in the draft. I would say it's definitely going to be the New York Jets. 
I mean, good God, they look awful. That you know how I really know they're going to be the number one pick in the draft. There was a story a few weeks ago. They were doing a practice scrimmage. You know, their first team against their second team. The second team ended up blowing out the first team, 27 to nothing. What? Against the fucking second team? Well, you might as well be playing the second team out there now. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty sad. Yeah. Yeah, Adam Gates, I think he's a terrible head coach. He's a good offensive coordinator. I mean, he gave Jay Cutler the best season he ever had in Chicago, which, you know, ain't saying much, but why he's a head coach after he flamed out in Miami, I don't know. Well, because it's the Jets. Oh, and, you know, watching this right now on ESPN. Oh, boy, did Tom Brady do so good in his Tampa Bay debut? <laughs> I like that uh, somebody posted, like, a meme of him, like, uh, I'm not having fun anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I thought me but I like, what, we don't steal the other team's playbooks? What? <laughs> <laughs> he goes to the new team expecting all this shit, and what happens? He gets fucked. Because you know what? He's not as good as everyone thinks he is. <laughs> He's a cheater, and he's a system quarterback. And God, I can't believe they brought back Gronkowski, and people expecting good things from him. It's just like, dude, the guy looked pretty rough his last year in New England. You know, all the injuries. He took a hero off from football and apparently lost a lot of weight. And you people think he's going to be back to shape just like that? Yeah, I think... He's probably going to be a non-factor this season. In fact, probably just might retire again, maybe in the middle of the season. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, he's been downhill for a, a while. I'm doing pretty good in fantasy, too. I actually ended up joining five leagues just because I was bored and wanted to. You know, five leagues and four different uh, fantasy apps, NFL, ESPN, Yahoo, and CBS. And, well, let's just say, I only lost one of them last week. I, uh, I'm in a few as well. Um, I think a couple of them I lost in, and a couple I won in. I'm, I'm not looking at it right now, but I, I think I'm like half and half. Well, I think in one I have Barkley, and, well, he got fucked last week, so that didn't help. Yeah, I've got Russell Wilson in one, uh, Kyler Murray in one, and man, they had some good-ass games last week. Yeah, I I, I have a really wide uh, variety of, uh, of players this year. Like, in each one, I tried to go with, like, different people. You know, just for the, the past couple of years, like, when I draft, it's like the same team over and over again with, like, one or two changes, and it's just like, you know, I, wa I want to try to do something a little different this year, so it's it's been pretty interesting so far. Well, I tried to do that too, but ended up with uh, Marquise Brown and a few of them, and oh, I think a few other players. Well, I actually ended up with Deshaun Watson in two of the leagues, and who did he suck in the debut? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. The problem with playing in so many leagues is that you're going to get some overlap, like Oh, okay, I've got uh, DeAndre Hopkins in one league, and in the other one, well, an opponent is playing DeAndre Hopkins as well. Like, mm, shit. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's not as fun as we're not doing the, the league, you know, one with, like, you know, all the Tom Atkins yeah. guys. 
Yeah, I was like just so tempted to like start up a league and you know asking everybody if they wanted to join, but hey, well maybe next season. Yeah, I, I mean, that was fun because you know even though we had some guys who really weren't like as active, you know, yeah, we, looking at you, Jared and Dan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was still probably like the most fun out of everything because now it's like you you can play, but you're playing against people you don't know. Yeah. So there's really no stakes to it. If you lose, you lose. If you win, you win. So what? But when right. you're in, in the Tom Atkins League, then you can brag to the other guys that, right. you know, I won, motherfucker. And, and, you know, it's... Yeah, watching Nudie lose in the playoffs every year. <laughs> <laughs> Watch him get all cocky and then back down to earth. <laughs> That's... I definitely wish we could go back to that. Yeah, I think that maybe next season we can try to set up something, even if it's just like half the guys. And, well, at this point, if our third member is on, he'd be like, oh, my God, I'm so bored. Can we move on? (laughs) Yes, he would. (laughs) We haven't done this segment in a while. I decided, why not bring it back? Yes, I'm talking about that segment, the disgusting sex act. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> and I pulled up a list, you know, some very short ones. Again, deja vu on some of these. Have we done some of these? But, oh, well, I'll uh, let you tell me if we have done them or not. Okay, so first one I got is called the Abe Lincoln. When an unconscious person gets jizzed on their face, gets their pubes cut, and applied to their face to form a beard, then adorned with a top hat. Uh, I don't think so. Okay, we got... A Mexican pancake. A man comes on a girl's face, lets it dry, and peels it off and feeds it to her. Ew. <laughs> How long do you think that's got to be on her face for it to fucking dry? <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, next up, I got truffle butter. When you pull your dick out of the asshole and continue fucking her in the pussy, and the tan buttery substance around her pussy is truffle butter. Jesus. <laughs> All right, last one I'll put down right here is called the Alligator Fuckhouse. Mid-coitus, one person bites the neck of the other, locks their arms and legs, and goes into a death roll, a death roll, all while maintaining insertion, like downshifting a car. That just sounds funny. <laughs> right? Oh, glad I brought that back. <laughs> That's so much fun. If anything, just to listen to you react. Uh, some fucked up people out there, I tell you, man. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Uh... From the entire Channel 4 News team, I'm Veronica Corningstone. And I'm Ron Burgundy. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Well, first of all, we got some bad one. Well, we were talking about how Christopher Nolan's tenant's probably going to save the box office uh ends up not being the case i mean it pulled in some good money i think better than i thought it would i mean again since the pandemic began that's probably the most any uh movies brought in in a box office for a while but of course even so i mean it's still not quite enough so now uh people are wondering what the fuck's gonna happen in the fall we probably will see some more movies getting delayed now. Well, I think one of the biggest issues is fucking they don't have a lot of theaters open. 
Yeah, like, the closest one to me is, like, 80 miles away that's open. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, we got a few, like, over here, but uh, I just don't quite trust going into them just yet, honestly. Uh, I mean, I wish I could because, goddamn, do I love going to the movies. I mean, just miss the days of, or what I've been watching segments where I'd have, like, probably two, three, even four theatrical viewings, but... Yeah, I mean, it would be nice to be able to fucking go see a movie in the theaters, but, you know, like I said, not even one remotely close to me, so I'm not driving fucking 160 miles to fucking watch a movie. And, uh, well, there has been a delay, and that's candy, man. I was wondering when that was going to happen, but it's been delayed with uh, no set release date so far. And we're a little bit of a spoiler, a little pulling back of the curtain. We're planning an episode on the Candyman movies when that new one comes out. Uh, so uh, that might be coming in the future, people. Just don't know when. I mean, if it wasn't for this pandemic, you probably would have already have heard that episode by now. But alas. Yeah, it's a little bit gloss for me. And uh, yeah, that came out with a story this week. James Conn reveals why... There's not an elf, too. And uh, mostly just because Will Ferrell and John Favreau did not get along well. Really? Yeah, you haven't heard that? Surprising. Yeah. I guess, yeah, James is saying that, you know, they wanted to do it and Will wanted to do it, but he did not want Favreau back. Well, thanks for that, Will Ferrell. Right. I we mean, could have had another Christmas movie for the show, but no, it'd be <laughs> difficult. Right. Uh, let's uh, wrap this up with some happier news. Uh, I kind of woke up late, wasn't able to gather up much stories. Oh, Screen 5, possibly going to be filming later this month and getting some more cast members. And getting this one chick, I don't know who she is. But she's a, apparently a singer, a model, uh, Sonia Ben-Amar. I guess that's how you pronounce her name. But yeah, there's been a bunch of other ones like, well, we got Kyle Gallner, <laughs> that's Nudie's favorite actor. In case you don't know, well, he was the uh, main kid, main guy in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Uh, he was in uh, Haunting in Connecticut, too. Yeah, he was in that. And, well, not the second one, the first one. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I know you meant T-O-O. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's not from uh, Haunting in Connecticut, too. Haunting in Georgia. The most confusing <laughs> title ever. That <laughs> uh, movie shouldn't have been made. <laughs> yeah. And uh, also got uh, Dylan Manette. He's a kid from the 13 Reasons Why series, and he's also in Goosebumps. And it was in Don't Breathe. So, yeah, he's a, uh, I guess you could say he's a genre actor at this point. And uh, Marley Shelton is coming back. She was uh, Deputy Judy Hicks from Scream 4. I was like, well, yeah, she did survive, so I guess that makes sense. And of course, I think the biggest, biggest one, of course, is we officially got Nev Campbell back. It yeah. Official now. Surprising. Yeah. Also surprising is the fact that uh, they've already announced that there's going to be a sixth one. Um. Okay, I did not hear this one. Yeah. Uh, it came out the other day. Like, uh, I don't know what. Uh, I, I can't remember what source it was, but I remember seeing that uh, somebody ended up saying that, yes, it is confirmed somewhere that the sixth one is happening. Well, let's wait to the box office first. <laughs> I mean, you know, they were playing a fifth one after part four, and 
well, part four didn't uh, live up box office wise. That's why we're getting a part five like a decade later. Who knows? But I know that I will be seeing it. I mean, hopefully the pandemic is over by then, or at least uh, you know sustainable. Because I I definitely will go see this. I mean, I I did unfortunately miss the first scream on the big screen, but ever since I've seen every one of them. Not only that, I see every one of them on the big screen, but I saw them all twice. Yeah, that's how much I really like this series. All right. Well, you know. You skipped over something pretty big. Uh, yep, I had a feeling I would. <laughs> you uh, you skipped over our girls. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I did. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. You went right to football and you forgot about the girls. What a shame. I know. That is what happens when you wake up late, people. Well, last week's matchups, we had Jennifer Lawrence against Scarlett Johansson. Okay. And a resounding 4 nothing win, Scarlett Johansson moves on. Wow, 4 nothing. Next one was Adrian Barbeau against Alexandra Daddario. Alexandra wins 4-1. to one. Well, yeah, you were the one, right? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> well, that's nice of you. I mean, I would figure Alex would win that one, but yeah, that's nice that Adrian had one vote. Uh, next up was Mary Elizabeth Winstead against Jillian Anderson, and Jillian won 4-1. Oh, wow. That's a shocker right there. And then, finally, Catherine Isabel against Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore wins 3-2. to two. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Catherine won three to two. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I interested? So, in so yeah. this week's matchups sh- should be quite tough, I would think. We've got in the number two seed, Charlie's Throne against Jessica Elba. Hmm. You know, as I've been thinking about Charlie's Throne lately, I... Because uh, she has been in a new movie, that old guard on Netflix, which I've been meaning to watch for a while, just haven't got you. Yeah, fuck it, I'll go with Shirley's, just because she's been on my mind a lot lately. Well, I'm gonna go with Jessica Alba, just because, I mean, it's Jessica Alba. <laughs> um, next up, we've got Winona Ryder against Elizabeth Banks. Oh, well, you know what Elizabeth Banks was Rita Repulsa for, so that gives her an edge for me. Uh, even sexier Rita Repulsa. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Elizabeth. I'm gonna agree with you on that one. And uh, next up, we have Caroline Williams against Zoe Saldana. Oh, let's see. I mean, that's the time I think about Caroline Williams. I think about that shot in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. She's climbing up the stairs in those really, really short shorts. It's like, oh, uh, oh man, Zoe Saldana. I mean, we're talking about Gamora here. Talk about a chick that can make green chicks look hot. <laughs> oh, fuck, this is a tough one for me. <clears throat> You know, I do got, got a feeling that Zoe's probably going to win the matchup, so I'm going to give Caroline her possibly only vote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go Zoe. Next, we have Christina Ritchie against Heather Grant. Oh, okay. 
Hmm. Okay. When I think of Heather Graham, my first thought is her breastfeeding scene in The Hangover. <laughs> Austin Powers. Yes. Um. I don't know, but I think I'm leaning towards Christina here. I am as well. <clears throat> All right. So that is it for this week's matchups. Next. I guess Alexandra is still in the matchup, so I guess I'm not too disappointed. Catherine's in. What's that? I, I was I was just screwing with you when I said Drew won. Oh, oh, she. Oh, you Catherine did. Oh. isn't. Oh, she is. Oh, okay. Well, okay. I, I'm still in. That is what happens when we talk over each other too much. People, we miss shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't hear my sarcastic. Drew won. <laughs> Next time's matchups in the three seed, you got Zazzy Beats against Amy Judge Awesome. Oh boy. Mila Kunis against Rosario Dawson. Mm-hmm. Allison Bree against Linda Hamilton. And Shannon Elizabeth against Jennifer Love Hewitt. Oh boy. I'll <laughs> uh, give you something to think about. <laughs> 90s, Jake is going to be torn by that last decision. <laughs> I think the the first one's going to freaking screw with you even more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Okay, well, we got the forgotten one out of the way, so... Good lord, what are you watching? Well, I've been watching a lot of YouTube. Uh, you know, it's like I've been walking around and stuff like that. Um, I also listened to a couple of audiobooks on... Uh, YouTube. I listened to Halloween mm-hmm. and uh, listening to uh, Friday Part Two, and then I I uh, started uh, Demon Night. Oh, is it and, from uh, those uh from that YouTube yeah. channel? And uh, the freaking Halloween one is really just it, it adds a lot of weird shit to it. Oh yeah, how like, weird talking? Like Michael gets aroused quite a bit. Oh. Watching people fuck. Okay. Like, <laughs> it's really weird. Okay, so Michael does get emotions, apparently. Yeah. And then in uh, Friday Part 2, we get a really interesting backstory for Jason. We uh, we learn what happened to him, like how he became a mongoloid, you know, adult. Mm-hmm. So that's that's definitely interesting. Yeah, I gotta check these out. I mean, I've been subscribed to that channel for a while, just haven't got around to like actually listening to them. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely interesting. Uh, we're talking about uh, the '80s slasher librarian on YouTube. If you haven't heard of him, you can check him out. He's got like uh, all the out of print like uh, out of print horror novels that you are like freaking two hundred dollars on fucking Amazon and eBay and all them other sites. Yeah. If you don't have the money to buy them, go ahead and just listen to them. I wonder how much people actually do buy the hose type of... I mean, they got to be fucking dedicated and, well, pretty fucking rich, too. Yeah, I uh, I think the most I've spent was uh, on the thing, and that was like $40. Yeah. I, uh, I think that's the most I've spent. No, wait, no, the blob. That one was the most expensive. How much was that? That was uh, fifty bucks. Hmm. Damn. Yeah. Um. Let's see what else. Uh. Disney Plus. I finished watching the Clone Wars. 
And let's just say that show got so much better over the seasons as they went yeah. along. Um, and then I, right after that, I started up Rebels, which is a con- like a continuation of the story, but like after the Empire takes over. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's been pretty interesting. I think some of the best episodes were that I've seen so far were in season two. I'm in uh, season three right now. I just watched the first two episodes last night, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I'm just I'm chugging along on that right now. Um, I really haven't watched any movies or anything. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Well, here's my uh, list, uh, sort of short list. Watched The Bone Collector with uh, Denzel Washington, which uh, actually that's been turned into a TV series recently. I think on NBC, I want to say. And he plays a former homicide detective that uh, gets paralyzed. And so he's helping people uh, solve this murder case from his hospital bed. A pretty interesting little thriller. Even it's got Angelina Jolie in it. Uh, what the fuck? Oh, yeah, it's got Ed O'Neill in it. Frickin' Al Bundy in it. <laughs> and it's got Mary Poppins in it. And by Mary Poppins, I, of course, mean Michael Rooker. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, watch Murder at 1600, which uh, Wesley Snipes, where he's uh, going after a murder case, which, uh, of course, is at the White House and a lot of political conspiracies ahead. Yeah, that one's decent. Uh, with my parents, we ended up watching the first Bill and Ted movie, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And yeah, that's still a pretty good ass movie right there. Still have yet to see the new one. I plan on it sometime really soon. Uh, yeah, I still haven't seen any of them. I rewatched Masters of the Universe. Yeah, the live-action He-Man movie. Uh, I <laughs> I uh, talked about it, I think, a few years ago when I watched it. And uh, you know, I realized, yeah, okay, you know what? It is kind of a terrible He-Man and Masters of the Universe live-action adaptation. You know, but still a fun, entertaining movie becoming a major guilty pleasure for me like sean would say it's like probably my indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull okay <laughs> and, uh, look at the updated list i might or might not have put it on there and let's see i watched rewatched the nice guys with russell crowe and ryan gosling and man that movie's still quite as funny as uh they're playing these uh well, Ryan Gosling's like a, I think he's a PI, and Russell Crowe's a cop, and well, they get to, uh, involved with the case of a murdered porn star in the 70s, and man, this movie's just so funny, and you know, you will see Ryan Gosling playing such serious roles, but man, he is such a goofy guy in this movie, it's just like, you never thought you'd see him do a role like this, and kind of wish we would see more, I mean, yeah, he's a good, serious actor too, but I want to see more goofy Ryan Gosling, and uh, uh, yeah, I don't think I've actually watched too many of his movies, really, if uh, any, I don't know, oh, shoot, I can think in some off the top of my head, like, uh, oh, and I just lost that movie, uh, god damn it, oh, Murder by Numbers, well, yeah, I mean, he's a pretty good actor, I would definitely recommend watching some movies by him, oh yeah, there's the other one he did, Drive, mm-hmm. I see. okay, so my last movie I watched is, everything I've heard about this movie is that it's possibly the worst movie ever, so, of course, you know I'm oh, going to try to watch You it. mean more than Troll 2. 
<laughs> yeah. So this movie I'm talking about is called Battlefield Earth with John Travolta. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's just say, yeah, there are some really bad things about it. Like, one of the things is the way this movie is filmed. Everything is at a Dutch angle. If you don't know what that means, that means, like, the camera's pretty much tilted a bit. You know, a video I watched described it as, like, normally people would use this in a movie to, like, convey that the character is feeling disoriented, scared of shitless and all that nope the whole movie's pretty much done with that yeah so very very disjointed very stupid decisions and wow oh my god john travolta wow he's he's overacting as even as much as he did in freaking face off here's an example of his line delivery well you were learning to spell your name I was training to conquer galaxies! <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And there was even one part of the movie, like, the aliens are like, we need to find out the human's favorite food so we can bribe them. So what do they do? They let them free, but put them in, like, like a very uh, empty area where there's no food, trying to find what they can eat. And finally, one of the characters ends up eating a rat. And so they're like, aha, the human's favorite food is rats. It's like, um, okay, I'm pretty sure my favorite food is pizza. But if I were days without food and found something like a rat and I was desperate enough, I would eat them. Anyway, I thought, man, this movie's so stupid. It's kind of funny, stupid, but I'm not sure I'll watch it again. And guess what I did the next day? You watched it again. Yeah. This time with Rift Tracks, though, but uh, this this might be actually a Kingdom of the Crystal Skull situation for me. It's definitely getting in that so bad it's good area. Yeah, I don't think it's the worst movie ever made. I mean, okay, here I come up with a scale for bad movies I've discovered recently. There's the bad movies that they're so bad, but they're so freaking awesome that I end up rating them higher than I probably should. Just like Troll 2 and Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. And then there's the mid-tier. It's like, okay, these are bad, and I'm going to give them the rating they deserve. There's some part of me that does want to watch them again, especially with a big group. Just like Battlefield Earth, and I would even add Dragon Wars to that. Yeah, you remember that movie? <laughs> yeah, the one I made you watch. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a low tier of bad movies that are like, okay, yeah, there's bad and there's nothing redeemable about these at all. <clears throat> the grudge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't <laughs> wait to throw that movie under the bus. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. again, Troll Jew's bad, but... There's so much entertainment to that, and some like Battlefield Earth, yeah, it's bad, but you know, you're watching John Travolta chew up the scenery, it's like, okay, I at least can watch that part, but something like The Grudge, like, no, there's nothing to that fucking movie. Good lord, that movie lives in my mind rent-free, I swear to god. <laughs> yeah, just take a drink every time I listen to every episode from this year, people, and take a drink every time I mention that fucking movie. Um... I think they'd be drunk for a good few days. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> can't wait to get to our best of, worst of the year. And I think uh, my worst movie of the year is probably already spoiled. 
I, I don't think we're going to be able to do a best and worst, though. That's, like, going to be really difficult. Yeah, I actually seen enough movies this year. I think I'll be able to do one. <laughs> I, I haven't seen, I think, a single movie well, from this year yet. Well, we know how that usually goes for this show. I actually have a complete list, and you have, like, what, maybe three movies? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never got on the train of doing a list. You know, it's just it's one of those things that last second, oh shit, maybe I should do something so I don't look like a complete <laughs> asshole. <laughs> okay, so that is my list. Let's talk about some snake. Yes. And, uh, the song, the trailer, and we'll be back.
1988, the crime rate in the United States rises 400%. 1991, the United States police force is formed. 1997, New York City is a walled maximum security prison. John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Kurt Russell. Lee Van Cleef. Ernest Borgnine. Donald Pleasance. Isaac Hayes. Season Hubley. Harry Dean Stanton as Brain. And Adrian Barbeau as Maggie. John Carpenter's Escape from New York. The ultimate adventure of escape and survival. And we're back. Hopefully I haven't used that song before, but Jake will let me know later on anyways. If we have Escape. Uh, <laughs> Escape from New York. Uh, you got we'll the see, IMDb. Uh... Uh, we got a 7.2 rating on the IMDb. Came out July 10th, 1981. Directed, of course, by Carpenter himself, and written by Carpenter and Michael Myers himself, Nick Castle. And, of course, we got quite a big cast, mostly a lot of uh, Carpenter regulars. Well, first of all, we got Kurt Russell, his first time with John Carpenter, and I think his first uh, big old action role, because, uh, you know, Kurt Russell, he used to be kind of a Disney star before this movie. So, yeah, this was really breaking the mold for him. Uh, see, we've got Ernest Borgnine in this movie, Lee Van Cleef. We got Donald Pleasance, good old Dr. Loomis. And we got Chef himself, Isaac Hayes. We got Harry Dean Stanton, Charles Cyphers, the sheriff. We got Sean's favorite lady, Adrian Barbeau. And of course, we got Tom Motherfucking Atkins. Yeah, talk about a fucking cast list. Right? Probably one of the greatest cast lists I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, we start out with a voiceover narration. Set in a dystopian 1997, World War III is uh, nearing an end. Both the United States and the still-existing Soviet Union suffered greatly in the conflict, both looking for a peaceful resolution. The island of Manhattan has been turned into a maximum security prison in 1988 because of a nationwide uh, crime increase of 400% in the United States due to a gas attack by the Soviets at the start of the war, in which New York was worst hit. Surrounded by a 50-foot containment wall, all inmates are sentenced to life imprisonment and have formed gangs which control the crumbling garbage-strewn city. Yeah, how would you feel if this was close to you, Scott? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's about 400 miles away, so I, I'm pretty good. Yeah, well, closer to you than me. 
the opening scene, we see a dark skyline of Manhattan as two men in a makeshift raft attempt to paddle away from the island. When the raft they are in is blown to pieces by a hovering helicopter gunship. It, uh, it ends up returning to its base on Liberty Island, where the overland entrance to uh, the prison is located, and uh, the command center of the U.S. police force surrounding the island. Traveling to a three-way summit uh, between the uh, United States, the Soviet Union, and China, Air Force One, the plane of the President of the United States, is hijacked by a sole member of a revolutionary organization opposed to the government. A woman impersonating a stewardess kills the pilots and takes control of the plane. The, uh, the nameless militant female anarchist crashes the plane in a suicide mission into a Manhattan skyscraper, but the unnamed president is safely sealed in an escape pod and survives. Yeah, imagine that, having Dr. Loomis as your president. <laughs> yes, we can! Six times! <laughs> Uh, the United States Police Force Commissioner Bob Hawk arrives at the Liberty Island Command Center where he and the Chief of Security, Remy, witness the crash on monitors in their control center. Uh, Hawk assembles a platoon of soldiers. Get out of here, you stupid fucking notifications. Uh, That's a weird Hawk assembles a soldiers right there. <laughs> a platoon of soldiers and they travel to the crash site in a fleet of helicopters. When they arrive, they find the escape pod empty, indicating that the president has been taken hostage. An emissary of the inmates named Romero appears and tells Hawk and the uh, the soldiers that they have the president, and if they do not leave the island in 30 seconds, the president will be killed. Romero offers them one of the president's severed fingers as evidence. With no other choice, Hawk orders his men to return to his helicopters, and they fly back to Liberty Island. In his office, Hawk meets with uh, recently arrived Secretary of State, who puts him in telephone contact with the Vice President in Washington, D.C., where Hawk asks for authorization of a rescue attempt and accepts it. In his office, Hawk offers a deal to a newly arrived prisoner, a scruffy, one-eyed, famous special arms soldier turned armed robber named S.D. Snake Pliskin. Pliskin prefers to be called Snake, growling his demand whenever Hawk refers to him by his surname. Call if, me Snake. Uh, if Snake rescues the president and retrieves a cassette tape that contains important information on nuclear fusion, Hawk will give him a full pardon. However, Snake Pliskin must complete his mission before the international summit that the president was due to attend which begins in 24 hours. After Snake reluctantly agrees to the uh, rescue plan, Hawk recently, or secretly has him injected with microscopic explosives that will blow open his carotid arteries in 24 hours. The explosives cannot be diffused until within 15 minutes before they go off. Um, is it me or, like... Do they not follow that? Like, because, like, spoiler alert, there's, like, a minute left. Like, isn't that, like, a, a plot hole that you noticed? Ah, I would say so, but, you know, movie magic and all that shit. <laughs> they do that as a way of ensuring that Snake does not abandon his mission and escape, or find another way to remove them. 
He returns with the president and the tape in time for the summit. Hawk will save him by having the uh, charges in his neck neutralized with x-rays. A furious snake gruffly promises to kill Hawk when he returns. Snake covertly lands atop the World Trade Center in a Gulffire glider, similar to the one he piloted in a daring covert operations action over Leningrad, USSR. And then he ends up locating the hijacked plane wreckage in the escape pod, but of course the president is gone. Snake, he ends up tracking the president's life monitor bracelet signal to the basement of an abandoned theater, only to find it on the wrist of an incoherent old coot. And Jake... <laughs> yeah, Buck Flower. Another good old Carpenter regular. Yeah, I, uh, I don't think you mentioned him when uh, we were we were talking about the... Well, yeah, I was, mainly, I was mainly going off of the first page, and he wasn't on there. At the uh, the theater, Snake meets a friendly inmate nicknamed Cabby, who offers to help. After wandering the dark streets, uh, Snake is accosted by the Crazies, a subterranean gang that hunts the streets at night. Snake first seeks refuge in an abandoned chock-full-of-nuts diner, where he meets a seductive young woman, who asks to take her away to freedom. But the crazies soon attack the diner, and Snake is forced to run, leaving the nameless young woman to her fate at the hands of the crazies. Well, damn. <laughs> After a chase down a back alley, Cabby shows up in his taxi and rescues Snake, fighting the crazies off with a uh, Molotov cocktail. Uh, Snake demands Cabby tell him where the president is being held. Cabby tells him that Brain, a savvy and well-educated inmate, knows. Cabby takes Snake to the New York Public Library, where Brain lives, a place he's turned into pretty much a fortress. It is here that Snake identifies Brain as a former accomplice of his named Harold Hellman from some heist they did in the past. Forced at gunpoint, Brain tells Snake that a powerful gang leader, the self-proclaimed Duke of New York, and the leader of the Gypsies, the largest and most powerful gang in the city has the president. And uh, he plans to lead a massive escape across the mined and heavily guarded 69th Street Bridge, using the president as a human shield and a hostage. Well, when the Duke unexpectedly arrives with a large convoy of henchmen to get a diagram of the bridge's landmines, Snake uh, forces Brain and his girlfriend Maggie to lead him back to the Duke's compound. After stealing a car from one of the uh, the Duke's henchmen, Snake Brain and Maggie drive through uh, Skull's gang country along Broadway, barely escaping. Snake finds the president, who uh, is being held uh, in an abandoned railroad car in what was the Grand Central train station. But his rescue fails, and he is captured, captured after uh, Brain betrays Snake. Oh, Brain. <laughs> you dumb motherfucker. Oh, shit, I just realized most starts on one of my opponent's teams, too. God damn it. The next day, Snake is forced to uh, fight with a giant powerhouse brute. At the same time, Brain and Maggie trick Romero and the Duke's men into letting them have access to the president. After killing Romero and the guards, they free the president and flee to Snake's uh, glider, hoping to escape <laughs> with the president. And hey, man, <laughs> gotta say... Uh, Donald Pleasance in a blonde wig. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, fucking, uh, meanwhile, Snake, he ends up defeating his huge opponent, impressing the crowd. 
When the Duke learns the president has escaped with Brain, he is furious, and he rounds up his gang to chase him down. In the confusion, Snake slips away and manages to catch up with Brain, Maggie, and the president at the glider. But during their attempted getaway, a gang of inmates called the Indians push it off the building. And man, something won't hold up today. Brain ends up calling them, you damn redskins! It's like, no, dude, you've got to call them football team now. <laughs> Snake and the others soon find Cabby, and Snake uh, takes the wheel of his cab, heading for the bridge. When Cabby reveals that he has the nuclear fusion tape, uh, the president demands it, but Snake ends up taking it for insurance. With the Duke chasing them in his Cadillac, Snake and the others uh, drive over the Mindstern City, after the bridge. After the the cab hits a landmine, the cab is destroyed and Cabby is killed. As uh, the others flee on foot, Brain is killed by a mine, and uh, Maggie refuses to leave him. She attempts off, uh, to hold off the Duke's car by firing him at him with a handgun, but... Uh, she ends up uh, succeeding in forcing the Duke's car to uh, crash, but he crashes into her, killing her. How does that kill her, though? He was driving very fast, Jake. He, you're missing the point here, Scott. <laughs> I know what your point is, you son of a bitch. <laughs> well, he continues his pursuit on foot. Snake and the president reach the containment wall, and the guards raise the president on a rope. The Duke then attacks Snake, but the President shoots the Duke with a submachine gun, killing him out of revenge for torturing him during his confinement. I shot him a hundred times! <laughs> Snake is then lifted to safety, and the many explosives implanted in his neck are deactivated with x-rays with seconds to spare. As the President prepares for a uh, televised speech, he distractedly thanks Snake for saving him. Snake asks him how he feels about the numerous men and women who died saving his life, but the president only offers half-hearted regret that visibly disgusts Snake as uh, he sees the president, a trembling and helpless captive, revert back to his self-assured personality. Well, after Snake is pardoned, he decides he will not kill Hawk at this time and leaves the prison. Hawk thanks him for the rescue and offers the incredulous anti-hero a job of working for the government and other top-secret missions. Snake, alienated with the nation he once served with honor, refuses. Hawk tells Snake to think about the offer and notes, We make quite a team, huh, Snake? In complete contrast to Snake earlier and frequently reminding Hawk to call him by his first name, Snake angrily reprised the name's Pliskin. The president's speech commences, and he offers the content of the cassette to the summit. To the president's embarrassment, the tape has been switched for a cassette on the uh, of the swing song Bandstand Boogie, Cabby's favorite song. Snake had apparently switched the tapes during the chase across the bridge in the distance, unnoticed just outside the Liberty Island prison gate. Snake is seen casually unwinding and tearing apart the all-important nuclear fusion cassette tape, uh quote-unquote, the only thing to save mankind from nuclear war, and smiling while puffing on a cigarette as he walks off into the night. On that cynical note, Escape from New York comes to a close. Jake, yeah, give me guys. thoughts. My first time seeing this movie was like, oh, years ago. I want to say probably my second year of college. I rented this and L.A. watching back-to-back. -back. Yeah, it's, it's a cool little carpenter flick. You know, it's got the usual, like old-school carpenter feels to it. 
And uh, you know, we got a really fucking awesome cast, as we just keep on saying, you know, including all the Carpenter regulars. My thing with this movie is that there are just some points. It really does kind of drag just a little. I mean, mostly before we get to meet all of the rest of the characters, like, just seemed like right in that middle point. Like, after Snake gets dropped off in New York and before he goes to meet Brain and Maggie, there's just, like, a lot of uh, downtime, in my opinion. But, you know, you can't go wrong with Carpenter and Kurt Russell, so I'll give this one a pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I only watched this just uh, a couple months ago. Because, well, we're all stuck at home. And, you know, I hadn't seen it yet, and I always kicked myself for not seeing it. Because, you know, everybody, you know, who I talk to is like, have you seen it yet? Have you seen it yet? And, uh, well, you know, I, I was very impressed with the cast when I first saw this. I was, you know, wow, this is, this is crazy. And, you know, I, I really didn't know what to expect when I was going in. Um... But, you know, I gotta say, it was it was a very interesting story. Um, you know, you, you gotta like, you know, a snake being an asshole and not caring <laughs> what happens to the world. So, right. You know, uh, for me, you know, I'm gonna go uh, pretty good as well, you know. I, I think, you know, it's it's a fun movie, you know, like, it, it's, it's early Carpenter work, and you can definitely tell. Yeah, I would dare say, though, still Carpenter at his prime, though. I mean, it comes right oh, in the yeah. middle of... Uh, Halloween and the thing. And well, then Ralph the Carpenter putting Russell on the map, turning him into a fucking badass character. You know, because uh, who knows if we would have gotten the uh, badass Carpenter if it wasn't for this movie. We might not gone McCready. We might not gone Tango and Cash and all that. Yeah, so big props to good old JC, man. Maybe one of the best directors in the world. I would. Definitely fucking say so. I think that's about all I have to say. What about you? I believe so, too. So I think it's my turn. We're going from New York all the way to L.A. now. Let's say things are going to get fucking crazier. So I'll put in a song from the soundtrack of this movie. Then you hear a trailer and it's back about the
Welcome to the theater. For everyone's enjoyment, we'd like to remind you of the following rules. No talking. No smoking. No littering. No red meat. No freedom of religion. And remember, all marriages must be approved by the Department of Health. Failure to obey these rules will result in immediate loss of citizenship and deportation to the island of Los Angeles. Enjoy the show. Your rules are really beginning to annoy me. We ran a psycho profile on him using a database of five million sociopathic personalities. He hit the bottom of the curve. Catches on quick, doesn't she? Loves a winner. Let's say we play a little Bangkok rules. Nobody draws until this hits the ground. You ready? Draw. You got a problem with that? And we're back. Now we're escaping from LA. Came out August 9th, 1996. A 5.8 rating, so, yep, once again, I get the lowest rated one. <laughs> you picked it. Yep, I did. Well, JC is back. So is Kurt Russell. But we got a much different cast in this one. Uh, we got Steve Buscemi in this. Got Peter Fonda. We got Uncle Ben, Cliff Robertson, the OG Uncle Ben, and Stacy Keach. So, yeah, that's uh, two episodes in a row we get Stacey Keach in a movie. Uh, there's a bigger one in this cast list, but I'm going to save that till later, till later in the rundown. I think you know who I'm talking about, right? Uh, I wouldn't say yes, and I wouldn't say no. But if I said no, it's because I probably didn't watch the movie. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, you sent me a fucking version of the movie that I couldn't watch. I don't know what the fuck happened there, man. That's fucking weird. Like, I, I fucking, as soon as I clicked on it, that screen came up. I was just like, what the fuck is this? I'm not paying 99 cents to watch a movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so anyway, we start out with this movie. It's like a few years after the events of New York, and a major earthquake hits L.A., and we're talking about 9.6 magnitude. So, yeah, that's fucking major right there. Well, it's a big-ass earthquake that ends up separating L.A. from the rest of California. So now it's its own little island. We got a presidential candidate who ended up kind of calling this shit because he's a major uh, Christian evangelist who made a doomsday prediction saying that L.A. was a city of sin. And the hand of God will strike it, and it did, and so he ends up winning the election because of this, and now anybody who's not with the moral America will end up being deported into this little island. So if you're atheist, if you uh, swear a lot, you own firearms, you drink, you smoke, you have red meat. Yeah, you will be deported to this island. So, man, if this were a real-life situation here, uh, we would end up podcasting from this area right now. <laughs> yeah. 
Now we're at 2013. God, you gotta love how these futuristic movies are so dated by now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the president's daughter, named Utopia. Ah, that's such a subtle little name right there, Utopia. <laughs> <laughs> well, she ends up uh, being influenced by this terrorist named Guervo Jones, who's basically kind of like... Uh, Chi Guevara, I think that's how you pronounce the guy's name, uh, a major dictator from years ago, and who everybody liked to wear on their t-shirts for a while for some reason. Yeah, so she ends up stealing, like, a remote control to sort of the Amagulis, a super weapon that uh, can use satellites to destroy electronics anywhere. And so, right around this time, well, the city of L.A. gets a new resident, of course, it's Snake himself. He is back, and of course, they have a proposition for him to uh, go into L.A. to get a black box and get Utopia and kill Cuervo. And of course, just like last time, Snake, he's not into it. So, of course, once again, he is uh, given a choice. He is given a disease that will kill him in 10 hours. And if he completes the mission, he will be given the antidote. Yeah, Things are kind of setting up just like the OG here. So mm -hmm. he's given, like, a bunch of new stuff. A submachine gun, projectile, holographic projector, and he's given some new clothes. You know, go from the camouflage pants to uh, full leather. Yeah, cause I guess that was popular in the 90s, even before The Matrix. Yeah, this, this predates The Matrix by three years, <laughs> of course. Uh, you know, one here's going off, you know, he's uh, talking to Stacey Keish and the other woman. is like, so when I get back, will you be the guys that give me the antidote? Nope, we won't be here. Good. Try shooting at them. And it's like, ah, you're dumb. We knew you are going to be doing something like that. So the first round, they're blank. So now Snake is being shot off to L.A. through a submarine this time. And man, holy bad CGI Batman. This whole sequence of him going to L.A., it's it's basically like sci-fi channel level bad. I mean, hell, we even get a shark, so yeah, that's what really makes you think of uh, some sci-fi movies right there. And so he gets to L.A., he uh, sets his submarine up on a platform, which ends up breaking off, and yep, he lost the submarine. And he ends up meeting a bunch of uh, interesting characters. Well, first one he runs into is... Pipeline, who's a uh, major old surfer dude, even goes with all the uh, usual surfer language, like far out, man. Oh, Scott, Saquon Barkley looks like he's injured. Yeah, I'm watching right now. Yeah, he goes into L.A. just looking for this uh, a rescue team member. And I just like here, like there's this whole sequence that feels like we're getting the whole entire soundtrack playing. I do gotta say, though, the soundtrack to this movie is fucking badass. You know, you got White Zombie on it, you got Stabbing Westward, you got Tool, and you got Sugar Ray, back when Sugar Ray was still kind of considered a metal band. Hmm. <laughs> Before that one hit theirs made them decide, okay, we're a, we're a pop band now. Well, even runs into another character, Map to the Stars Eddie, Steve Buscemi, and who he's offering him, like, uh, uh, some maps for $50,000. <laughs> it's like, holy shit. Even shows him a little recording he has on his little uh, futuristic cassette player. Well, it's more of a CD, miniature CD, because I guess apparently they thought we'd have these by uh, 2013. <laughs> little did they know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, again, you gotta love how these movies are dated now. <laughs> well, he spots a parade with Cuervo in it, so, and there's Cuervo sitting right next to Utopia. So he gets on a bike, chases after him, and of course, Cuervo's goons try to take care of him. Well, next thing we know, we've got a bunch of these goons surrounding Snake, and he's like, hey, you guys want to play a little Bangkok rules? He picks up a can, and he says, nobody draws until his can hits the ground. Throws it right into the air, and, well, the guys are actually uh, complying by those rules, not drawing, and then Snake pulls out his gun, ends up shooting them all, and then the gun <laughs> hit, the can hits the ground, and he's like, draw. <laughs> Love that fucking part. Well, he ends up running into a woman, and uh, I thought this lady looked familiar. Found out uh, this chick was uh, Charlie Sheen's girlfriend in both Hot Shots movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, yeah, that's where I recognize that accent. Well, they end up getting captured by these uh, people from Beverly Hills who are have a bunch of plastic surgery to them. And so much plastic surgery, they end up, like, fucked up looking. Little commentary on plastic surgery. And, uh, yeah, little bit of truth to that, because, man, there are a bunch of fucked up people, especially in the Hollywood area that had too much plastic surgery. Well, they meet the head surgeon, head surgeon, played by none other than Bruce fucking Campbell. Yeah, we got Bruce Campbell in a fucking John Carpenter movie. How yeah. badass. <laughs> Even if it's only for, for two seconds. Yeah. Yeah, it's not long, but it's still pretty awesome. Goddamn, wish we got more John Carpenter and Bruce Campbell movies. Yeah, so he's a head surgeon, and he's just, like, talking about how most of the bodies I have, they're no good. They just won't do. Of course, he spots the lady, and... Snake and he likes them, especially Snake's eye. And like, even if it's just one, we'll still take it. But Snake ends up having a little dart that he ends up firing right into his forehead and gets out and holds him hostage while he makes the rest of the gang let him and a woman go. And so they end up escaping into a junkyard and this chick just talks about how like she's so impressed with him and she seems to have a little bit of a crush on him she wants uh, some of his snake we shall say <laughs> <laughs> yeah they end up going to this camp area and you know she's talking about how you know hey it's not so bad here of course just as soon as she says that she gets shot from a gangland shooting. <laughs> she was a nice character while she lasted. I was just realized pretty much like that one chick from the last movie. Of course, she lasted a little longer than she did. <laughs> Snake ends up running into Map to the Stars Eddie once again. Though he ends up again uh, in his little convertible. And I don't know, was it just me? Or was this convertible supposed to be like maybe a callback to Christine? Or am I just reaching here? I think you're reaching. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I see red car and a carpenter flick. I guess uh, that's what I think. But uh, it turns out Eddie is working for Cuervo and he ends up locking him out with uh, some poison and he ends up waking up in the L.A. arena. Yeah, the uh, home of the USC Trojans and was the home for the Rams and the Chargers for, for their new stadium this year. And i uh, just say that stadium looks a lot more full than football stadiums will be this year. That's for sure. Well, I mean... In the Miami game, they got 13,000 people at uh, Arrowhead Stadium. I uh, it's 16,000. Holy shit, the Lions are up on the fucking Packers. Damn. <laughs> now Cuervo's revealing his plans. He wants to, uh, what he wants to do, especially with this device. And, you know, one of these guys ends up showing them a little device he has, which looks so similar to the little recorder thing 
Matt to the stars, Eddie has. The only exception, it's got a little red dot on it. A mm, little bit of foreshadowing there. Mm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Crevo sets up a uh, live press conference. Even the president and Stacy Keecher watching ends up uh, setting the satellites all the way, uh, where is it, to Lynchburg, Virginia, where the capital has been moved just because he's the president. He can do that. Oh, <laughs> Thank goodness Sean isn't on this episode because he'd probably be going a little crazy about this president, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> he ends up cutting off all of the power to Lynchburg, Virginia, while the president is on the phone with his wife. And he knows the secret to the world code, which is 666. Very subtle there. <laughs> <laughs> They end up setting up this code. It'll knock out the power to the entire planet. And so now Snake has to be uh, set up to play a game of basketball. So this is pretty much like the uh, wrestling or boxing scene from the previous movie, except it's basketball. So you have to score 10 points on these two hoops. Oh, yeah. And Jared Goff passed to uh, Tyler Higby again. And if you don't get 10 points, Bam, you're dead. And, you know, things are looking good for Snake. I mean, feels like the virus is, like, really kicking in for him. So it's like, is he is he going to make it? Well, it turns out he does. He makes it almost effortlessly. And, of course, everybody's cheering for him again. But, you know, Cuervo, he's not feeling it. He tries to shoot him. But uh, Aftershock ends up hitting and Snake gets away. Snake ends up running to the sewers where uh, Utopia ends up following him, trying to talk to him. And uh, little Map to the Stars Eddie ends up following him up shooting that snake but shoots at him during another aftershock so only clips him right in the leg again <laughs> i should have mentioned he got shot with an arrow in the last one oh uh, yeah leg. so yeah he's able to convince uh Gravo that he killed snake but Gravo's still not convinced so he's like i want to see his body well snake ends up being with pipeline again who's setting up for the big one a major tsunami that's coming that's gonna Give him some nice waves. And now we get a fucking uh, surfboard sequence. And good <laughs> lord. <laughs> green screen uh, for this is fucking terrible. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. <laughs> well, while riding a wave, uh, they're going past a little piece of road. And there's a map to the stars, Eddie, who ends up looking and spotting Snake. And he's like, ah, oh, shit. But Snake ends up jumping onto his car and, and ends up, yo know, getting into it. So he convinces uh, Eddie to get him to somewhere else. Where they end up going is uh, the Queen Mary cruise ship on the beach. Where this gang leader, Hershey Las Palmas, is there, played by Pam Greer. But of course, just like Brain was the last movie. A lot of callbacks in this one. <laughs> just like Brain was the last movie. Snake recognizes this one. There's just an exception, though. Well, last time, this was a man, and now it's a woman, formerly Bill Carjack Malone, who's now changed sexes, and <laughs> you gotta love that one point that Snake ends up grabbing her by her leg, moving it up, and it's just like, uh, Snake, what are you doing here? Well, now it's just a, uh, looking for a gun. Oh, and look at that, Scott. Well, a little bit of payback for knocking out Saquon Barkley, because now David Montgomery's out for the game. Shit. He's out for the game? Well, so I'm go to the tent. That was it. Well, okay, maybe I jumped the gun a little bit there. Hopefully not, but I guess we're both losing our running backs. Yeah, but let's hope it's not for very long. 
Right. Well, apparently Hershey really doesn't like Cuervo, too. And, well, she ends up telling him everything like the virus in him. It's just a propaganda lie that won't kill him. And so they decide they're going to get into uh, Cuervo's little camp thing through hang gliders. Setting up at the Hollywood sign and a little bit more of terrible green screen. Woohoo, Aaron Rodgers touchdown. And, uh, well, right before they go, Eddie has a bit of idea, so he uh, takes a little device. He takes his little tape recorder that he has, borrows uh, some nail polish from Hershey, and puts a little red dot on it. And so now they're going to Happy Kingdom by the Sea, where, uh, well, Eddie first ends up meeting with Cuervo and just trying to act like, you know, you know he's still on his side. But, oh, the rest of the gang comes up and a big old fight ensues, especially during Snake and Cuervo. Well, before everybody arrives, a, uh, a police helicopter ends up landing in the middle. And, oh, the police in there didn't really think that through because they are fucking ambushed, like, quickly. Oh, shit, just... Atlanta's a 20 nothing against Dallas. <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, uh, lots, lots of price scores in this one. <laughs> Twenty-one to three Rams. Wow. They end up getting into the police helicopter, including Utopia, who ends up joining them. Well, it's tied up at first, but they're able to shoot off the rope and escape. But they see Greville picking up a rocket launcher, pointing at the copter. Eddie just gets a gun and shoots at him, and yo, he thinks he's got him first and celebrating a bit, but uh, Cuervo is shot, but he has just a little bit left to him to fire off the rocket launcher. And, you know, it's a kind of a bulletproof rock uh, helicopter, but it's still taking a bit of damage. And he ends up jumping out right before the rocket hits, and, you know, he thinks he's safe, but uh, he gets ambushed so i guess that's the end of eddie and while the rocket hits the uh it's a copter well snake and utopia they're at the front of it so they're safe but uh hershey and the rest of her man yeah not so much and so uh, they're heading back to the mainland and they end up jumping out copter crashes and uh well just right around this point captain malloy and the president and a bunch of other soldiers appear and snakes tell him to give him the antidote and right around this time his timer goes off and he appears to be just fine it was just a little bit of flu symptoms they're like you really are that stupid aren't you well he should have listened to his old pal should have yeah so he ends up uh, trying to hand a remote to him but they end up capturing utopia and they think they get the real remote from her so they set up everything uh execution for her and uh, the president set up a live press conference from right there where he's gonna shut off electricity for a bunch of these gangs that are attacking florida well snakes watching you know just disapprovingly but again just like the last movie, it's not what they think it is. He hits the device and we hear Map to the Stars Eddie's little promo with I Love L.A. playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they look at Snake and again he goes off with, call me Plifkin. They try shooting at him, but, oh, it's not facing him. Why? Because he's using his little hologram thing and he reveals that he's got the real remote and we see this projection of Snake putting in the world code 666 and they're like, no, no, don't you fucking do it. Don't you fucking do it. Oh, he does it. And yep, the whole entire world is now 
without electricity. And we just see Snake just a few hundred yards away from everybody. He finds a pack of cigarettes on the ground, lights them up, and you know, we see him give a little smile to the little smoke he's having, and then just looks to the camera. We just hear him saying, welcome to the human race. And that's where we roll credits on this. Scott, tell me what you think about Escape from L.A. This one, at the time, I thought had a, a lot better of a story to it. Like, uh, you know, it felt like there was a lot more at stake. And, uh, you know, not as good of a cast in this one, obviously. You know, it. it uh, I don't think any movie out there could topple <laughs> topple the first one. I mean, that, just there are so many good actors in that one. I don't know. I mean, this uh, I didn't get to watch it again, so pretty much I went off memory and notes and stuff like that. But uh, from what I remember, I, I, I enjoyed it minus the terrible CGI throughout. <laughs> yeah. It was it was so bad at some points. It was it was like it was ninety CGI. That's all we can say. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean. From my first viewing, uh, I would have to give this one a pretty good as well. You know, they're, they're both enjoyable movies. You know, not like not like I have any real serious issues minus the CGI in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it for me. Okay, well, it's a uh, probably a bit of an unpopular opinion, especially among the circle of. <laughs> Of horror movie fans or just Carpenter fans, but I I actually like this one a lot better than New York. And you know, like I said, New York had some parts where it just kind of dragged out just a little bit and all, but this one just seemed, like I said, much crazier. I mean, things are really dialed up, and yeah, again, the CGI is terrible, but you can expect it from a 90s movie sometimes. They didn't really have it perfected just yet. I mean, even T2, which is uh, in Jurassic Park, which have, uh, you know, probably the best, have some parts that look not so good these days. But man, like I said, things just are just crazier in this, you know, you got like a lot more crazier things snakes running into, including Bruce Campbell as a fucking head surgeon. <laughs> I mean, a really f- fucked up looking surgeon. <laughs> right. I mean, come on, man. Bruce Campbell in a fucking John Carpenter movie. You can't go wrong there. You know, it also seems like the humor is kind of turned up a little bit right here, too. And uh, I think Carpenter was just kind of going for a little bit more satire in this one. You know, obviously with the uh, people with the plastic surgery and, you know, just kind of poking fun at the uh, L.A. lifestyle. And, well, a little bit of the potatoes, too. (laughs) Lots of commentary for potatoes right here. If you pay attention to it, that is. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, man... Like I said, I love this one just a little bit more than the first. This one gets a pretty damn good, but still not enough for the best. I mean, still not one of Carpenter's best movies for sure, but it's still enjoyable. And, you know, I think they were planning a third one from what I hear it's called Escape from Earth. So, yeah, we were probably going to get Snake Plissken in space. Kind of makes you wonder how since uh, he shut up all the electricity to the world. It's like, uh, how are they going to escape from Earth? I think... If they wanted to do anything with it, I think they should do like a TV show. Yeah, they could have, they could do like, that too. The world has been rebuilt, right? It's like 2040 or something, right? And you know, Snakey's out doing his own thing, you know, just just 
causing havoc and stuff, you know? Just just doing what he does. Yeah. Old man snake. I mean, yeah. they would have to do it at this point. Yeah. yeah, Kurt Russell, he's definitely no spring chicken these days. And, of course, just like everything, now they're just talking about a reboot to the series. And I, yeah, I remember at one point... I remember at one point they were talking about Gerard Butler for Snake Plissken. It's like, yeah, I actually think that could have worked. I, I think if anybody could, like, try to uh, match... You know, Kurt Russell's uh, character for this movie would definitely be Gerard Butler. But you know, that was many years ago I heard that. And if they're still playing a remake, uh, who knows what they're going to do with it. Who knows? I would have loved to escape from Earth, make Plissken in space. Who knows what crazy hijinks they could have gone with that. Yeah, I mean, they could go real crazy with it. Kind of do like Guardian-style shit. But... Oh, yeah. <sighs> well, that's really who all. Who knows? I have to say about that, so let's talk about next time. True!
Next time, people, it's going to be a marvelous time. Why is that? Because by the next time that we meet, it's going to be the most wonderful time of the year. Yes, it's going to be October time. Yes. And so, of course, you know, we got, you know, horror-themed movies to discuss. And not only that, but we discovered, you know, you know even with our bi-weekly schedule... We're gonna have three episodes in October. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's gonna be fun. You know, right? I don't think we've ever had three in October. Well, ever since we switched to the bi-weekly, at least. Well, yeah. Right. But yeah, uh, you know, we're gonna. I think we're gonna start out with uh, some pretty big movies. You know? Yeah, we're gonna go back to uh, a little something we did a few years ago, and I was like, hey, why the hell not go back to you know, a little old times, like way, way, way back then. Yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're talking the early ages of film. We're going back to Universal movies, people. Universal monsters. We're talking The Bride of Frankenstein. And, and The Creature and from the Black Lagoon. I have not seen either of them, so it should be fun. And bad news, Scott. Bears just scored again. Well, bad news yeah. for you, at least. I didn't expect the win. We've got quite a fun month planned up, and we got quite a, a bit of the rest of the year planned. Yeah, we've got pretty much the rest of the year, except for one show planned, so... Uh-huh. We're set. Yeah, and well, not only that, people, but also next episode, I'm going to be another year older. I'm going to be 35 in a few weeks, and... Uh, Getting closer and closer to 40. Fucking yay. <laughs> I think we've been doing this show for <laughs> half a decade, it seems. Yeah, I know. It just seems like when we started out, that was just reaching 30, and uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where did the time go? Right. <laughs> but yeah, you can leave us feedback on Holy Escape from New York and L.A. On HolyMofos at gmail.com. Or I'm at Jake the Snake 54 on Twitter. I'm at brother underscore Scott one, I think. <laughs> I think <laughs> you should know. I forgetting. I don't know. I haven't looked at it in forever. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you can try to contact us on Twitter, but you know, we barely use it anymore. I, I use it too. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. We might as well just leave it at the email address, honestly. Or you know, the Facebook group. Yeah, yeah, that I too. Get, I still get notifications for that, so. Yep, and yeah, look at that. Falcons just scored again. Another Calvin Ridley touchdown for me. Uh, bad news for me because Matt Ryan is on one of my uh, fancy opponents teams, but uh, that's still fun to watch uh, the Cowboys get overrated once again and beat down once again. We them boys, we going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good luck. Yes. Yeah. Still living off the Super Bowls they haven't been to in about 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
suck at Dallas. <laughs> All right, going off the rails here a little bit. So, until Universal Monster Movies, peace out. Lay suckers. Let it be screamed They'll never ever take us alive